0: I think it's about change management. It's about hope. So our mission is connecting communities to inspire hope for the future. And it has been that way for a decade. So people need to drive towards, um, they need to see what's possible. Like now is the time to have vision.
1: this podcast is brought to you by dentons the world's largest law firm with a global team that builds agile tailored solutions to meet the local national and global needs of private and public clients of any size in 183 locations serving 75 countries hi everyone my name is heather barnhouse i'm a partner and lawyer in our edmonton office welcome to my podcast where i explore the topic of women in entrepreneurship and leadership and the ecosystem supporting the growth of this segment. Today, I'm joined by Robin Woods, the CEO and founder of The Uncomplicated Family, a group of companies dedicated to helping support children and families with complex needs in Alberta. Welcome, Robin. Ah, Thanks, hello. Hello. So I want to chat with you uh, this morning about the great things that The Uncomplicated Family is doing and some information around the vision and what uh, what your group of companies is hoping to do. And I wondered if you could uh, talk a little bit about the, the companies that you're involved with and the interrelated offerings and tell me a little bit about them and about your vision for where those companies are going. Sure. Uh, I'll start on the vision because I think it sets a context for the businesses.
0: So our goal has, is just a small vision to improve the quality of life for a billion people around the globe. Just that. Just, just something small and tiny like that. But I always believed if you You know, you want to make a billion dollars, you need to help a billion people. So that's really what we focused on. I started my company in 2006. I'm a healthcare practitioner by trade, a speech-language pathologist. And uh, I started as a clinical practitioner, so serving children and families with special needs. So that company is called Kids Uncomplicated, and it serves in Alberta for children and families with complex needs. And then after five years of service, we uh, were traveling all throughout the province and our practitioners were, you know, three hours in a car to see a child for an hour and a half, three hours back. And so I had this idea, well, why can't we just put a camera in someone's home? So that was 2011. And that hardware became software and software started to scale. So that company is called Communities Uncomplicated. And it's a, it's a virtual care platform uh, called Telaru So that's the other subsidiary. And then uh, through our journey as we were bootstrapping and really trying to to raise funds to build and to make our vision come to life, uh, we started creating partnerships and relationships. So with the National Research Council of Canada, Global Affairs Canada, and we were able to achieve grant funding that um, centers around the world. We started uh, Canada's first Eureka Cluster Project, and uh, that is all about serious games and games that are helpful for kids. Uh, It's the world, what we built, is called Kids Digital Health Portal, and it's the world's first therapeutic online space. So apps and content and videos that help promote healthy brain development in kids. And that company, uh, yeah, it's called Kids Digital Health. So all these companies are, are all, again, tracking towards helping a billion people around the world and what we're really good at is building and integrating innovation, state-of-the-art innovation, into clinical practice. You can imagine with the pandemic and all the things that are going on, I mean, the need has just amplified.
1: You mentioned at the beginning of your, when you were introducing that you're a clinician by training, so a speech-language pathologist, and you're an innovator at at heart. Um, And you've talked a lot about sort of the transition that the vision has done and and the evolution from just placing cameras in in people's homes at, at the beginning. Can you talk about some of the the evolution or the transitions that that you have personally had to do from the role of being the clinician to leading a service delivery company in Alberta to a you know it's a set of digital health technology companies with global reach. I'm sure that that was not what you intended when you went to school way back when.
0: Oh no, no. <laughs> you can't anticipate Uh, Your full journey at the beginning. I mean, I think it really comes down to leadership. I've had to learn a lot about how to communicate the vision, um, how to engage my staff um, around a culture of change, to take risks. And we were, you know, the uncomplicated family, the acronym is tough, and we are tough, because to innovate in a highly regulated space is very tricky. And then access to capital while you're trying to prove or build a concept and then prove that concept. So I got really good at writing grants, (laughs) grant applications and bootstrapping. That is a whole business aspect about how do you manage cash? How do you engage the people you need to as employees or as vendors? Or, you know, when you're building IT and innovation, Um, you can't build it all at (laughs) once. So how do you figure out what your minimum viable product is and, you know, pricing? And then you have to protect it. So thank you, Denton's with IP protection, very important. So there's a whole host of learning on the tactical business aspect. Yes. But then there's also just really knowing who you are and being clear about that, because then when it gets super tough, you know, you need to make decisions based on your values. Sometimes, you know, where we women are getting increasingly, you know, a, a lot more mentorship and, and support, which is awesome. But also with that comes differences of opinion. Mm-hmm. Nobody has a crystal ball. So you really have to dig into, OK, this is my role. And how, how do I engage the people around that and get the support and be flexible as we learn? So, I mean, the market in the U.S. with COVID went from $3 billion to two hundred and fifty billion billion for telehealth. Wow. So there's extraordinary opportunities. But now you've got big tech players coming in, you know, Zoom. And we've got yep. antiquated procurement methodologies. So we've got procurement, you know, that's based on the industrial revolution. So they'll say, hey, we want a steam engine. We want a track. And it needs this. These But government now needs to be looking at procuring outcomes because government invests in innovation, they invest in technology and, and, and leadership in those sectors. So then, if government says, here's my problem, now come up with some innovative solutions in under budget, there's a lot of challenges right now with government, right. to be honest.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. I I wonder, Robin, if you could tell us a little bit. I I know that you know you and I have talked about this offline a, a number of times. That one of the things that you are really proud of, um, and your team, is in in addition, as you said, you know, like it's it's tough. It's it's a hard go, and you've got to really believe in in yourself. And I know you've got a lot of pride in the resilience that your team has. Can you talk a little bit about that? the comment that you made about you know the government or the audience needs to invest in in the outcomes and can you talk a little bit about from your experience how you've you guys have really demonstrated that in terms of using a technology solution and what it's done for outcomes generally because i think there's such a a, a great message that really does inspire people who who are, are are stuck and are finding it difficult to focus on you know all of these things when the challenges are are so deep can you give us a little example about what that's meant for your company
0: yeah well when we're innovating we're really solving problems right so what are some of the yeah. current uh and most important problems and what are some solutions that can help to solve those problems so for us it was travel we were traveling three hours in a car to see a kid for you know and three hours back and all our practitioners were doing that we were getting paid but meanwhile all these families are waiting so we've got rural right. and remote care that you know they health equity is is a part of our Canadian values so how do we get equal access to health care in in rural communities right. for example and so what we did is we built Teleroo. So Teleroo is a virtual care platform. And we have been demonstrating outcomes for almost a decade now, where children and families, for example, with severe complex needs as funded by the government, our prov- the provincial average for other providers who weren't using digital technologies were three years on service. So it
1: took three years.
0: And for us, our kids were getting, and families were kind of graduating and getting healthier
1: so much faster uh, in
0: under 18 months.
1: So really cutting that in half.
0: Yeah, so then think about the quality of life impact. You know, when, when, when you've of got course. really intensive interventions going in, you know, that creates a new normal. So we want to be helpful. Right. We want to bring solutions that are meaningful and, and work. You really have to know your user, your end user. Who are the populations you're trying to serve and what will help them? <laughs> so, right. you know, being right. able to use their, dev- their, their mobile devices, or taking the pressure off them every every time they have to explain their story. You know, if you're talking about complex needs or chronic population, you know, cancer, there's a lot of complexity there. So if we're able to capture some of those stories and the things that are important to them on video and then collaborate with their teams, everybody circled around them answering their questions at a time, you know, that's convenient to them, you know, you get engagement. And you get these outcomes and the people that are most engaged in their health care are the ones that have the best outcomes. But then for government, you know, where the value comes in is also saving money. Sustainability is the number one problem in health today. Interesting. Number one. We need to have efficiencies in how we practice and health and wellness is what happens in our communities and our homes and our workplaces. So, you know, so much of our money is going into AHS and into our acute care settings. But the, the
1: large majority
0: of healthcare is what happens outside of that setting.
1: Um, the term pivot is used a lot for what's happening currently in the marketplace, but it also is used as a, as a bit of a push to encourage entrepreneurs and other business owners to seek ways to adapt and, and stay afloat in unprecedented times or in changing circumstances. W- what are your thoughts on pivots? What have you had to do um, along the way to pivot and what has the response, what is your response to the pandemic really taught you about the importance of pivoting?
0: I think, um, I think what's needed now in the pandemic is leadership, uh, courage, <laughs> and some bold decision-making. So those who can lead and uh, need to lead now, they need to make some tough decisions about what is going to make the biggest meaningful impact for the people that they serve within the means that they have today. So if you have an idea of sitting on the shelf, something that you've been wanting to do forever, or mm-hmm. if there's, you know, a shakeup on your staff, and sometimes that happens where, you know, the pandemic and changes will bring the leadership to the forefront. So those who yes. are strategic, those who have partnerships and collaborations, those relationships matter. They help hold you through the hard times. Those are the companies that are going to thrive. So we pivoted a decade ago, if you will. I don't, I don't know if it yes. seems such an abrupt change to me. Um, we, are, <laughs> our, our process has been over ten years. We've been pushing virtual care uphill for in Canada and Alberta for you know more than ten years. But I, I think it's about change management. It's about hope. So our mission is connecting communities to inspire hope for the future, and it has been that way for a decade. So people need to drive towards they need to see what's possible. Like now is the time to have vision. To see yeah. what not tact not yes we need to be tactical. Yes, we need to be operational. Yes. Because we need to execute on those those ideas. But ultimately, we need to take whatever's off the shelf, the things
1: that you've been wanting to do for a long time that your gut tells you is going to make a difference in your company and you do that yeah that's interesting can you talk about you talked about the uh, when you were answering this you talked about the importance of partnerships and i know that uh your group of companies through throughout you know throughout the the years not just recently but you have really benefited from some outstanding partnerships and i wondered if you might just talk about how you approached those how did you find the great partners like ITIA, the government of canada autism canada for example how did you build those partnerships
0: well at first it was just showing up so like honestly i, I was sent <laughs> makes a difference. i was I sent i was sent to belgium you know you get these rsps it's like oh you're going away in 10 days oh god okay here we go so yeah sure <laughs> so you get on the plane and you go and present your idea that's the beginning <laughs> and then then yeah. you need to listen so then people get excited about your idea so then you need to listen to them and you need to see where there's synergies and how you might help each other and then you create a win-win from that. So you create that relationship of trust because all learning happens in that context. Yes. So, you know, for Government of Canada, we, we put a kick-butt proposal together. So we, we were getting funding over time just because our ideas were compelling and we were very persuasive in our writing. Uh, that's the beginning. And then once you get a little bit more traction under your belt and successes, then, then new opportunities open up for you. Working with National Research Council of Canada on this big ITEA project, um, ITA is an international software as a service consortium. They, they have 40 countries in their network. And so we just kept delivering. And then when we couldn't deliver, like we lost 70% of our project funding at the beginning. So we lost Spain, we lost wow. Turkey, Finland. Yeah. So we're like, whoa, how are we going to do this? So we were honest with ITEA and, and we said, listen, we need to reduce our scope in the deliverables. Uh, of the project, but we're going to make that impact. So we got them. You know, they agreed with us and they helped us. So you work with your partners ar- around creating solutions, um, and then we rocked it. From there, awesome. now Global Affairs, yeah, Global Affairs uh, Canada comes in and they're like, "Hey, you've got you're one of the top ten companies that's selected in Canada for high potential for growth. So we're going to work with you to account manage you." So now we've got wow. trade commissioners. Yeah, so now we've got trade commissioners in Belgium. In Italy and Spain, translating our cell sheets and trying to broker
1: uh, international relationships for, for deployment, for global deployment. If you were giving some advice, you know, to your younger self or to a future female leader or entrepreneur with a big idea or vision, but they haven't they haven't taken that risk. What what would you tell What would you tell them? How, what what advice do you have for women who are on the brink but haven't yet leapt? You need to find your people. Who are the
0: people that are going to support your efforts, that listen to you, that challenge you? So that can be some family members, that can be other entrepreneurs, certainly your advisor. Um, but you need to connect with other people because the markets are complex, especially now. And and you, you, you really need to have a big perspective and have the support when things get tough. So know who your people are yeah. and get out there and start yeah. asking lots of questions and learning as much as you can. I also know that Mm -hmm. it's going to be hard. So I know,
1: like, (laughs) I'm very honest,
0: you know, well, well, it is hard, like, it's hard to find your table. So we're talking about female entrepreneurship. In some cases, we're over mentored. So I'm just being totally honest here. You know, this is my 14th year. I don't need to like, I do need mentoring. I need support for sure. But there's some things I'm very clear on. So what we need is access to working capital to grow and scale our businesses. Right. You know, there's lots to learn, but it is going to be hard, especially right now for us, we're scaling. So I was able to get some money to help build it. We patented our uh, Teleroo offering, but now to scale it. Because a lot of the money right now is going towards sort of rescuing companies, and that's important. We need to do that. Yes. For companies to scale, uh, there's not enough investment in in Canadian companies to scale. So if you have a global vision and you want to scale, Yeah, there's going to be challenges. So really, there's a lot of learning, but it is worth it. I wouldn't change. I
1: wouldn't change a damn thing, Heather. I've learned so much. I'm happy to hear that you wouldn't change it because I feel like there's been many days in the journey where you probably would have wanted to change it. But it it does give me some some hope that, you know, looking back as as, you know, with the benefit of hindsight, uh, you you still feel that way because I, I know there have been challenges along the way. Um, I, I, as a final question, I wonder if you can tell us what's next for Tellaroo and for the uncomplicated family.
0: Uh, so, what we are excited about is the future and getting our solutions out to the billion people that need them or more. So, Tellaroo is going to be available across Canada and the world. Yes, we are looking for working capital, continue to grow, but we're looking for partners. So, for kids' digital health, for example, we're looking for gaming and distribution partners. Just to continue to grow internationally for the uncomplicated family. We're going to keep being tough, right? Advocate for <laughs> good. good change and vulnerable people. Um, we're looking for some med financing, put that out there. We'll continue to innovate and create thought leadership pieces, uh, op-eds. There's a lot to talk about right now and continue to be involved in R&D projects. We're always looking for partners that talk. Um, and then, you know, Kids Uncomplicated is the heart of the company and I love my team and they're going to continue to serve. They're going to continue to grow throughout Alberta and help kids and families with complex needs so that, um, because they they inform all the technologies, our families and our our staff continue to tell us, hey, we need this feature, hey, we need this, and we build it. So um, we want,
1: yeah, they're going to continue to participate uh, in serving and into the innovation pieces. I'm always your biggest fan and happy to watch from the sidelines as to what's going on. Thank you so much for taking time to chat with me today. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you for joining the podcast today. If you like the podcast, don't forget to subscribe and follow to get notified when we have an update.